Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Aren't we thankful for our praise team tonight? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, I was I was thinking, brother, brother Mike Gator's about to be a grandpa again. Brother Tyler and Sister Hannah are waiting just any moment. And uh, we're so excited about them having their first child. We're excited about them, want to be praying for them. And it's, I thought to myself, it's so good to see Summer up here singing. We're so glad. And Brother Corey on the keyboard. and Oh, let's give them all a hand. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Zion, leading. Amen. If you can be seated just a moment, I, I uh, want to address something. I, I know last week I talked about what it means to have friends, uh, deeper relationships, getting to know people. And I talked about what I felt was an issue of the church that can be better. Let me remember that last week. And um, I've had even people contact me that were watching from in, in other regions, in other churches uh, that are not connected to us and saying it's a need. I need that in my life. And it's one thing to be friendly. It's another thing to find friends and close relationships. How we know we need that. So thankful that God has given me friends. Amen. And I appreciate this church for your kindness to me and my family. And um, I, I want to say that Sunday I went longer than usual, but I'm not apologizing for my 10 a.m. length message. I did exactly what I felt the Lord wanted me to do. And uh, I, I really felt so strong in prayer to talk about the man's role in the family, God's voice in man's life. I will be talking this Sunday about the, the, the role of the woman in prayer. And we're thankful for every mother praying wife and daughter and on and on. We're thankful we'll be dealing with that this week. But one of the things that I noticed is that we had sign-ups for small groups. It was a big Sunday we've been pushing. And I do encourage you to get in a small group. One of the ways that we grow in the church is we love by attending church. We love God and we love His people. How many know we love His people? I thank God for the church. I hope you genuinely believe that I'm genuine about that. I love this church. love the body that God's called me to serve with and to be the pastor of. We also can grow by joining a small group and, and uh, getting to know people. Larger churches operate in small groups. And when you go to a small group, uh, don't, don't sit by yourself. And especially been in a church a while, get to know somebody. Ask questions about them. And I taught how to do that last week about having conversations with people. Some of the most amazing people I've ever met when I sat down with them. Guess what? They didn't tell me about them. They asked about me. I'm talking about tremendous leaders, people you look up to, people you'd want to hear preach, want to hear lead. When I sit down with them, it's not, oh, let me tell you what we've been doing. No, it's, hey, Brother Bounds, Brother Aaron, whatever they call me, say, how's your wife doing? How are the kids? Tell me about the church. Tell me what God is doing. And I think if you want to get to know people, ask questions. Look at your neighbor and say, how you doing? Amen. You ever ask somebody how you're doing that they told you and it took a long time and that's not what you're expecting? You wish you'd said hello. <laughs> They told you everything was wrong with them their whole life in a matter of whatever. Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're up north. You have short conversations sometimes. But 
But I'm talking about really getting to know people, talking to people. And this is a, another level of the growth of this church is building strong relationships with people. Amen. I've learned everybody has a story. Everybody has a testimony. These ladies that were here in um, being one of our Bible studies that we have before class. And here they are. They've got stories and they're weeping with one another because they know what God is doing in their lives. And we celebrate that in them. Look what the Lord has done. On Saturday night, I've been praying on Saturday nights and there's been a few intercessors that have been at the building at Saturday night at 7. I'm not putting the pressure on you to come, but I'm saying the door's going to be open. I want us to specifically pray that those that God has called to this church that have, have that are no longer in the church attending, that God's going to bring them home. Amen. And we're going to have prayer on Saturday for that specific. And I believe God's going to give us favor with Him. I want favor with Him. And I want favor with the city. I do. I've been going down to the property that we have. I don't know who's cleaning the property down there, but somebody's maintaining it for us. I don't know. If it's you, you can tell me later. But I'm, I just want you to know I'm thankful. But somebody's cutting the grass and, and cutting all the brush. And every week I go down there, it's cleaned, and, and I, I'm not sure. But I'm going to tell you, I believe God's got a plan for this church. He does. I was down there praying just a few days ago. And while I was praying, I just felt like the Lord said, wait. And uh, some of the things that we haven't, just wait. He's got this. How many believe the Lord has it right in his hands? Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. And I will say to you that I believe, you're going to hear me say this often, the next six months can be the greatest experience of church growth we've ever had in the history of this church. The next six months. We need everybody involved. Everybody praying. Everybody fasting. Everybody believing. Everybody expecting. Every service you come to, I want you to expect the people you've been praying for and reaching all week are going to show up. They are going to show up. How many believe that? Your family members, backsliders that you want to see in the house of God, God can give them one dream and they wake up. There was a guy I reached for for many years. Five years Five years after there was a, I mean, sort of got disconnected. But five years I prayed for him. And prior to that, prayed for him. He was a friend of mine since I was a freshman in high school. And guess what? Five years just believed that God would do something in him. And at the end of that five years, he had one dream. One dream. Repented. Called me. Went to his house. Repented in his home. And came to the Lord. Because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How many believe God's going to do something in your family, in your neighborhood, with people that you love? Amen. Well, praise God. I, I want to say, so good to have my, my mother with us tonight. I love you, Mom. You're the greatest. And so thankful for you. And my dad, so thankful for him. What a great privilege it was being raised in their home. And uh, they're amazing people. Just one of the greatest privileges of life is growing up in their house. I'm so glad to have my dad here preaching for us tonight. And would you welcome my father, amen. We're so thankful that he's here. We want the Lord to use him. Aren't we always glad to have him here with us preaching faith? Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be in the Anchor Church tonight. God's a good God, isn't he?
my wife and I, we have been married 50 years, September the 1st. Praise God. That's a long, long time, isn't it? We have two sons and eight grandchildren and one great-granddaughter, and we're getting another great-granddaughter. And I, I held my great-granddaughter today. We actually sold everything we had, everything we owned is out there in that RV in that little trailer. <laughs> so we're just uh, free birding, I think they call it. But I was holding them over today, and she just looked up at me, twist her head and look up at me. I could just feel that love. <laughs> and something about great-grandchildren. Thank you for giving me two wonderful sons and, wow, eight grandchildren and one great-grandchild. We've had a good life, but it's not over yet. And I'm so happy for a good woman. She's been my best friend for 50 years. And it's good to be here with all of you people. You're our friends. So refreshing to come through these doors and see smiling faces and hear beautiful singing and feel the presence of God. Isn't God good? I'm going to read in Numbers, the 23rd chapter and the 21st verse tonight. So glad you're here in this wonderful place tonight. Aren't you glad you're in the church? I love being in the church. I see people, their lives are a wreck, and somebody told me, and I think I've told you before, that they said, I wish my kids were like your kids. That's when they were in their 20s. I said, well, the only difference in your kids and my kids is the church. The kids never did have to say, Dad, are we going to church tonight? No, they knew as sure as the sun came up and went down, we were going to be in church during church night because it is the safest place in town. Praise God. Numbers 23 and 21, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord is God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your presence and for your word and for your church, for all these wonderful people at the Anchor Church. We pray that you would touch us with your spirit tonight. Anoint me for preaching and them for receiving. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. amen. You may be seated tonight. I'd like to preach for a little while today, this evening on. He looked beyond my faults and he saw me. We used to sing a song. It's a real difficult song. I had a lady in the church. She could sing a real high part. You probably know it. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not know just why he came to love me so. But he looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Dottie Rambo penned the words of that song. But she used the tune of Danny Boy. But it's an incredible song. Because I'm glad that he looks beyond my faults. Everybody has faults. I heard a story one time about three pastors. I don't think they were Pentecostal. <laughs> so they were fishing together, and they'd fish together occasionally. And So one of them got this big idea. He said, won't we just tell one of our faults? And they said, you know, the Bible says confession's good for the soul. <laughs> so one of them said, well, 
tell you the truth, I, every now and then I, I slip and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Boy, that feels good to get it off my chest, he said. The other one said, well, every now and then I like to drink a little too much of that communion wine after the service is over. <laughs> and so the other guy, he was kind of quiet, and they said, don't you have a fault? He said, yeah, I love the gossip, and I can't wait to get home. <laughs> Everybody has faults, don't we? The Bible says all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, if you say you have it, you're a liar and there's no truth in you. I'm glad for grace today. I'm glad for a mixed crowd. I, I would hate to preach to, and I have done it. I preached at 50 churches in six months or five months. And I preached in churches where everybody was saved. I preached a revival one time, and you know the church probably I'm talking about. I preached for two weeks, and they didn't bring one sinner to that church. Not one sinner. What a horrible, I have never been back to that church. I don't want to preach to a bunch of pillars in the assembly. Here, you could preach, it's like Parkersburg. You could preach against about anything and hit somebody. <laughs> My brother was preaching one time, and the, the girl got mad, and after church, she wanted to see him and the pastor in the office. And when she got in there, she said, you preach right at me tonight. He said, well, when I go squirrel hunting, I don't just shoot up in the air. I take aim. <laughs> I pastored a guy for a little while, and he, 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 he preached one night. He said, I preach against everything. He said, I would preach against SSI, but I'm on it. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, it's not hard to find fault. If you, if you want to look hard enough, you can find fault in about anybody. But I'm glad he looked beyond my faults. And he's seen me tonight. In Numbers, I was reading in Numbers, the, the 23rd chapter, but in the... 22nd chapter the Bible talks about the children of Israel when Balak the son of Zipporah he saw Israel and he remembered what they had done to the Amorites and the Hivites and the Hittites and, and he was so afraid of what they were going to do to his country and so he hired he hired Balak to come I mean he hired Balaam to come he sent word to Balaam. He said, I want you to come and curse this people. They're coming up. And, and uh, he said, well, let, let me talk to the Lord. And the Lord said, you can't go. You can't curse what I blessed.
I lost my keys the other day out here. And we, we looked, I looked at the key rack probably 10 times. I looked under the, in the compartments probably eight or 10 times. I searched everywhere for all day long. And I'd start praying, God, you've got to help me find those keys. And she was praying, and I was getting ready to go to bed and looked, and there they were hanging on the key rack. <laughs> it had to be God. <laughs> Praise God. So things happen, but I'm telling you what, we can take, we're like Timex, we can take a licking and keep on ticking, can't we? But anyway, he came to Balaam and he said, I want you to curse this people. And God said, no, you can't go because you can't curse what I blessed. So they went back and told him, said, he won't come. And, and so he sent more honorable servants and, and he offered him riches and glory. And he said, well, let me pray about it one more time. I don't understand that. If God gives you a no, don't keep praying until he tries to give you a yes. And, and so the Lord, the Lord said, go ahead and go. And he, he headed to curse the people. And he got down the road and he was riding this donkey. And uh, that donkey ran into the wall. And first it went off in the field and he pulled it back. And then it ran into the wall and crushed his leg. And, and he, and he uh, started beating that donkey. He said, and the donkey started speaking. And he said, what are you beating me for? He's kind of looking at him like Amora was looking at me today. He just said, what are you beating me for? And he was so obsessed with the desire for those riches that he said, if I had a sword, I'd kill you right now. And then the Lord opened his eyes and he seen the angel with a sword standing in a narrow place. And he said, I've messed up. Praise God. And he said, God, I'll go back home. He said, no, you can go, but the only thing you're going to speak is what I put in your mouth. So he got there, and the king was there, and he took him up on the mountain, and he, he told him to uh, curse the people, and all he did was bless them. He said, what are you doing? I've hired you to curse them, and you're blessing them. But somebody said that they believe that witches could put a curse on the church. That is foolishness. A witch can't curse what God's blessed. Praise God. They can't do it. You remember the witch that uh, got mad because her son was baptized? Man, she started talking about me. You know what happened to her? She told people that we handled snakes and sacrificed birds. She fell through her step and broke her leg. And then a, a snake bit her on the leg. And then a, a bee went in her mouth and stung her mouth and swelled her mouth shut. And I thought, <laughs> you can't curse what God's blessed. <laughs> the next time I seen her... She was working up by my house on the state road, and she said, how are you, Pastor Bounds? I said, I'm doing good. I gave her a drink of water because, you know what? You can't curse what God has blessed. And we're a blessed people. We're a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And we've got the Lord on our side.
And he looks beyond our faults and he sees us today. An imperfect people with a perfect God. Praise God. So here's Balaam and he, and he takes him, the king takes him to another place to see the hinder part of God's people. And, and he gets up there and he starts prophesying. Man, and, and he's prophesying to a bunch of people that had ten times they tested God. Ten times. They lacked faith in crossing the Red Sea in Exodus, the 14th chapter. They complained over bitter water that was called Mara in Exodus 15. They complained about the desert of sin. They collected more manna than what they were supposed to and the worms got in it. They complained over the lack of water of Rephidim. And they complained about the uh, uh, Taborah. And they complained over the lack of food. And they complained about not entering into the promised land. Complaint, complaint, complaint. One time the Lord said, Moses, get out of the way. I'm killing all of them. Praise God. Moses said, Lord, if you're going to take their name out, take my name out. And the Lord said, I'll take whose name out who I, I want to take out. But Moses stood in the gap for the people of God. But it's an amazing thing in the 23rd chapter when Balaam was standing on the mountain looking at the hinder part. And he said, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he perverse, seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and a shout of a king is among him. You know what he did? He looked beyond all their faults and he seen a holy nation. Praise God. I'm glad I'm in the church and that he looks beyond my imperfection and he gives me repentance and he gives me forgiveness and every morning his mercy is renewed. I prayed like David of old, Lord create within me a clean heart, O oh God. I want to be clean. You can be seated. Whoo, I'm glad, I'm glad that he looked beyond all their imperfections. Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is long suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. But he is long suffering. Man, I look at the Lord, and he, here's King David. He picked him when he was just keeping those few little sheep. David was anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel. Even when he came to Jesse and he said, one of your sons is going to be king, and, and all of them passed before him. But his dad didn't even think enough about David to even bring him to let Samuel see him. And all the rest of them, they walked before him, tall and handsome and, and rugged and, and tough men of war. But he said, no, God hadn't chose these. Don't you have another son? He said, yeah, he's out keeping the sheep. So God brought him from the sheepfold and anointed him to be king over Israel. And we know the story of how that he fought Goliath and cut his head off. He had gave a testimony of how God had been good to him and allowed him to kill the lion and the bear. He becomes king over all of Israel. 
Then one day he didn't go to war and he's out on his roof and he looks out and he sees a beautiful woman bathing and he lusts for her in his heart and brought her in, had her brought in and fornicated with her and got her pregnant. And then the next thing you know, he had to have Uriah, her husband, killed to cover up his sin. I'm telling you what, that's pretty bad stuff. You'd go to prison for that for a long time. But the, here he is, the Lord. The Lord's talking about David. And, and he said that, uh, let me look and see exactly what the scripture says. It says, I looked. Praise God. Anyway, it said that David, he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. He had a one terrible mistake in his life. But whenever the prophet came and told him of his sin, when he thought it was hid, and when the prophet turned around to go out, David fell on his face and he repented. And he said, you go back and tell David that I put his sin away. The one thing I like about David is he knew how to come to an altar of repentance and get right with God. It doesn't matter what you've done today or yesterday. I'm telling you what, there's a place of repentance in the church. Thank God for repentance that I can lift up holy hands. He looked beyond my faults and he saw me. I was in the truck one day and I'd been preaching, I don't remember what state, way up north somewhere. And, and, uh, and the preacher was asking me about another preacher. And, and I said, I don't want to talk about him. He said, well, I want to know. And so I, I told him a little bit what the guy had done against me. And Brother Brown, I went out and got in my truck and turned on old-time radio. And as soon as I turned on, he said, Frank. said, men look on part of a man, but God looks on the complete man. I felt like God went, wham, wham. I called the guy and said, I am so sorry I said anything negative. God just rebuked me through old time radio. I'm glad he's a re rebuker. You know, the preachers are to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I don't want to just come to church and sit in my sin, but I want somebody to preach to me until I want to go to an altar and repent of my sin. I'm not going to get mad when the preacher preaches, but I'm going to get in the altar and repent of my sin. Cleanse me, O Lord. Davidson, wash me with what I... Wash me with... This and I'll be clean. Cover me with your blood, and I'm going to be whiter than snow. Praise God. I was on a mountain... Struggling from the fountain when I heard my Savior call to me. He said, come to me relenting of your sins, repenting. And I'm going to lead you out where you can see. And I'm so glad he found me. Put his arms around me. And he led me to the shelter. And now I'm one of his own. Praise God. All kinds of people from every walk of life can come to an altar of repentance. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. God don't care what you've done. 
He said, all sin is the same. Sin, sin. When I was growing up, there was an old gentleman in the church, Raymond, or uh, Brother Hudnall, Kenneth Hudnall. And he, we had symbols. He had symbols that big around. And one brother had a big old drum that big around and a big stick, and he'd go boom, 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 boom. And the happier he got, the louder he beat it. It was terrible. <laughs> then crash those cymbals. <laughs> but he starts singing, sin, sin, sin. Brother Jerry and Sister Lowe, did y'all remember him? I don't oh, care who it's sin. <laughs> He'd turn around and say, if sin's in the preacher, my pastor's face would turn blood red. Then he'd say, if sin's in the Sunday school teacher, he'd point at my brother. And if sin's in the piano player, he'd point at my sister. He said, I don't care who is in, you'll never go to heaven in your sin. Praise God. You can't make it in sin. But a sinner don't have to remain a sinner. But you can become righteous if you find an altar of repentance. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Woo! I'm glad for repentance tonight. I'm so glad he found me. Wow, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. David was hopeless. He said, I looked on my right hand. I couldn't find anybody. No man would know me. Refuge fell me, and no man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord, and I said, Thou art my refuge and my, my portion in the land of the living. Praise God. Then I hear him say, Lord, create within me a new heart. And all of a sudden he said, My heart is fixed, O oh God. My heart is fixed. How many knows the feeling? Man, in Parkersburg, there's been so many people come, and there's so many of them there, and it's an amazing church. About 98% of them have never known Pentecost. Most of them have never known church. They're rough and they're tough, but I watch them go in the water and come up speaking in tongues. Man, Brother, brother Mark... Brother Mark, what, it's been five years since he was in prison? And I listened to him preach the other day, and I thought, wow, what an incredible message he preached. Just out of prison, just out of addiction, and see all these people come to God, and you see those seeding saints. Ripley's fall of, they had 52 in recovery class last week. Ripley's been, they're, they're so full, they need a building, they need another church band, they've got people coming in, and it, it's making some of the seasoned saints uncomfortable sitting beside of them. Praise God. It's terrible when people like that sit down and the seasoned saint gets up and go move somewhere else. Who does God love? What did Billy Graham say when they said, what is the greatest theological statement that you have ever known since you've been preaching? He said, 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He don't just love righteous people. He kind of snubbed those people when he came into town. And he went over and sat on a well while his disciples went to the city to buy meat. And a woman came that she was an outcast. She was a sinner. She was wretched and low down and of ill repute. And Jesus sat on the well and said, how about give me a drink of water? And she said, how is it thou being a Jew asketh of me a woman of Samaria? For a drink, y'all don't have anything to do with us. And he said, if you knew the gift of God. Man, that's all these people need is to know the gift of God. I grew up in church. I've been in church my whole life. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never tasted alcohol. I have never fornicated. I have never committed adultery. And I'm proud of those things because it's because of the church. Praise God. But I'm here to tell you today, that woman that had committed adultery, she had been married five times and she had divorced five times and she was living with the guy. She was sitting on the well and the Bible says Jesus must needs go through Samaria. He purposely and strategically went to that well to meet one single woman that was a sinner. Woo, hallelujah. I'm telling you what, he's strategic tonight. And you're not in this place by chance, but he purposed for you to be here in this house to understand that you don't have to stay in your sin, but you can come to that altar of repentance. He's looking beyond your faults, and he's looking at you tonight. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm glad that he looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Man, I'm telling you what, he began to talk to that little woman and, and he told her to go get her husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you've spoken true and you've had five and, and you're just living with a guy now. She said, I perceive thou art a prophet. But after she met Jesus, she ran downtown. She got a drink of living water and it came not from the well. She ran downtown and said, you got to come and see this guy. He knows all about me. I'm here to tell you today, he knows every thought you think and every deed you've done. But he's going to look beyond your fault tonight because he's looking at you. And you can come to the altar and find a place of repentance. He wants to wash all of your sins away. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think there's, in Mark, in Mark, uh, it talks about when they said, called him good, he said, what did he call me good for? There's no, there but one that is good, and that's God. Sounds like everybody's got skeletons in their closet. I know a guy, every time he'd get around this one preacher, he would start bringing up his past all the time. And what's bad is, is this guy knows all kinds of stuff that's in his closet. He said, ah, what if I just go start dragging out everything he done? I don't want to drag anybody's former past out. Do you? I want to be a forgiver like God forgave me. The Bible says, just like remember Sherry came to the altar. She was rough and she was a rough woman. 
This is our first home missions church. We had just started, and we had a homemade bench covered by, I can see that gray carpet wrapped around that little two by ten. And she had called and said, can you come and get me? I need to pray. I said, well, I'll send my wife. And she went and got her, and Sherry knelt down, and she prayed a repentant prayer that make you blush. I was, I've been sheltered my whole life. I didn't know people did all those things. She made the woman at the well, at the well look like a saint. Oh, my goodness. I was glad we had our eyes closed so she wouldn't see my face turning red. We've taught Bible studies, and I was so happy my wife was there. It was so, so rough. And people just talk about stuff like it. Ain't nothing. Here I am. I can feel the heat rising up around my neck collar. But she repented of her sins, and I baptized her in Jesus' name. But she could not get the Holy Ghost. And the Lord spoke to me. And I just said, Sherry, before you can be forgiven by God, you have to forgive people. She said, forgive my mother-in-law. She said, she stole all of my furniture while I was gone and sold it. I said, even your mother-in-law. <laughs> When she forgave her, she started speaking in tongues like a professional. I never seen a woman jump that high. She was jumping high, wasn't she, baby? Boy on, boy on, like she's on a pogo stick. You know what? She found out that if you are a forgiver, God's going to forgive you. I don't want to carry hate in my heart. I don't want to carry, be offended by people. But I want to get everything clean out of my life because I want him to forgive me of all my sins. Oh, Jesus, I'm glad he looked beyond my faults. While I was a sinner, he was hanging on the cross. While he was hanging on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew on November the 9th, 1954, Franklin Ray Bounds was going to be born. And he knew that I was going to repent of my sins when I was 12 years old, 1968. And he knew I was going to be baptized in his name. And he was prepared to wash all of my sins away. And then November the 16th, 1971, I'll never forget what happened to me. I was praying right over here in a little church in Marmette, and Elder Brother Garlitz laid his hand on my back, and when he did, I was a backward, bashful boy that couldn't even hardly carry a conversation with people I didn't know, but all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came on me and I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. I've never quit, but it gets sweeter as the days go by and it's been a good life living for the Lord because I know, everybody say I know that he looks beyond my faults and he looks at me. Don't you feel what I feel? Wow. Ain't nothing like the Holy Ghost. Let's stand tonight. Man, I could keep on preaching tonight. The Spirit of the Lord is here. I feel him in the atmosphere. Don't you? 
Man, if you, if you want to find the Lord tonight, right now is a great time to come on down to the altar. All of us, all of us as church people, we have come to the altar and we have repented of our sins. I had a, I seen a guy come in one night when I was a young preacher or a young man, hadn't started preaching yet, and he was one of the roughest looking people I've ever seen. He would, he, he was a drug addict. He had real long, dirty looking hair and a beard and you could just see eyes and and he came down to the altar. He would, he would do drugs and he'd do so many that he would wake up in the ditch and have to walk to a sign to see where he had passed out that night. But he came to the altar, repented of his sins. He is the first holy roller I've ever seen in my life. That guy rolled all over the place. Speaking in tongues. Then Sunday comes by, the next, next Sunday comes by, and here's this nice-looking, clean-cut gentleman walks in the door. Brother Brown, I didn't even know him. Same guy. He and I started preaching the same time. We'd preach on the same night, 10 minutes apart. Praise God. And uh, that man that was lost and, and, and rough and dirty and addicted, he became a fireball preacher. How's that happen? A trip to the altar. A trip to the altar. You know where missionaries come from? They come from cities just like this and backgrounds just like you have, but they found a place to repent and then God called them to preach. You know where Sunday school teachers come from? They come from bus routes and families that have never known God in dysfunctional families but they found themselves at an altar of repentance and now they're teaching Sunday school. Woo, hallelujah. Brother, what was that brother's name down in, went to Michigan church, brother? Don Lusk. Don Lusk. He was from West Virginia, down Williamson. And he, he went to Pontiac, Michigan, and he said he, he was high as a kite when he went in the door of the church. And the preacher started preaching. And next thing you know, he found himself in an altar. Man, I had him, I had him teach a seminar in Mineral Wells about 25 years ago. And he had already won 2,000 people to the Lord. That drunk guy that walked in, left out sober and full of the Holy Ghost. A hillbilly transplanted in Michigan finds the Lord on a night when somebody's preaching about the grace of God and repentance and remission of sins don't hold back tonight run on down to the altar man you need the Lord tonight it's a good time I was preaching in Nelsonville, Ohio the doors burst open and the guy ran all the way down and fell on the platform and said I need help and repented right there on the platform before church you need Jesus don't you feel him tonight Oh, let's close our eyes oh Jesus I thank you that you've allowed me to repent I thank you that you look beyond all of my faults and you saw my need 
I thank you that you've allowed me to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. The greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind. Lord, you've allowed me to be a part of it. I thank you that you're the head of it. You're the CEO. You're the firm and sure foundation. You are Savior and King and Redeemer. And we're allowed to be a part of your church. Thank you for the lady that was baptized in Jesus' name. And when he put her down and said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, everything she had ever done that was against God was remitted and removed. And when she came up, she was like a brand new baby. Woo, hallelujah. That's why we baptize people. Because the Bible said it is for remission of your sins. When you repent, you die out to sin. And when you're baptized, you're buried in Jesus' name. The Bible says buried with him in baptism. And you rise and walk in newness of life. Come on, Pastor. Come on, Pastor. Thanks for preaching repentance. He used to call me when he was evangelizing. He'd say, 13 people got the Holy Ghost tonight. 13 people repented tonight and got the Holy Ghost and was baptized. Or He would call me from all over the country, giving me a good report. You know why? Because he's the God in Alabama and he's the God in Tennessee. Woo! He's God in Ohio and he's God all over me. Praise God. Nobody, nobody is blocked from coming into the kingdom of God. Red and yellow, black and white. Put them together and what a sight. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Woo, hallelujah. I've told many times, probably here several times, but the last service I preached in Salt Lake, that little Spanish girl came and she came to the altar. She had been a prostitute. Her husband was in prison and she was doing tricks to feed her kids. But she, I got down to pray with her and, and, and uh, she repented and started speaking in tongues. See, he'll take you from the street corner to the amen corner. From the bar stool to the throne room. And she, she was speaking in tongues and and I had that cream colored jacket on and she, she was about this tall and she wrapped her arms around me. Knot and makeup, sweat all over that cream colored jacket. I wish I'd have kept that. I looked at your mom, I said, that's free Bible right there, baby. Yeah. Go the highways and hedges. Come on in. You can find help for your weary soul in here tonight. Woo, hallelujah. Wow, I feel the preacher in here tonight. Man, I did on Sunday. I didn't preach short in the 10 a.m. I didn't preach short in the 11 a.m. Because I knew God was going to reach somebody that day in that moment. Baptized two on Sunday morning. I think we ought to thank God for it. One man told me, he said, I felt like I was the only one you were preaching to and ran to the altar and repented of his sins. Listen, there's going to be church services you come to. You know everything that's being preached. 
You can look back so many years ago that it applied to you and it changed your life. Don't get used to it because you know it and it's not hitting you where you live. But please know it's going to hit somebody else where they're living and we celebrate it. We create the atmosphere for it. I think we ought to be excited. And last week we baptized nine people in the name of Jesus. We ought to be excited about it. Many more to come. Praise the name of the Lord. I forget how many we baptized when David Smith was here last, that Sunday. Not even counting that. I think there was five, I believe, that were baptized that, that day. That would be about 13. And that's, ex- that's 14. That's exciting what God is doing. Amen. God's not finished. I, I told Brother Verlin Archer that's here. Wave your hand, Brother Verlin Archer. Love you so much. Amen. So thankful for you. He was with me today when we were baptizing. Come out of there feeling the Lord, and people were saying, Woo! When they were coming out of the water and talking about what God, they felt God had just done for them, I walked up to him. I said, I'm so glad to know Jesus is not dead. He's still alive. He can heal your feeble body. He can touch your troubled mind. Come on, how many know he can resurrect you from whatever situation you're in? There's power. If you are here today and you need a touch of God, you need a healing in your body, you you need the, the Lord to restore something in you, I want you to come to the altar tonight. We've heard from a powerful preacher, amen, that I've seen so many miracles through his ministry. So thankful for what we heard. There's somebody here tonight that wants to repent. I want you to come. You're here tonight. You need a healing in your body. I want you to come. Amen. 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 God's going to do it. God's going to fix it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So thankful for Amber and Amy. Amen. So thankful for them. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Trisha, my goodness. Wave your hand, Trisha. We're so glad you're in the church. So glad was a young person in the youth group many years ago. Years years ago, moved back. Amen. Praise the Lord, brother Putnam. I believe God's going to do it. The first person to receive the Holy Ghost in this building when I ever preached, I just in advance, this was you. I think it was two thousand and one or two, something of that nature. Was it two thousand and one? That's a long time ago. I'm glad you're still here. I believe God can do it again. Lift your hands and receive the Lord. Lift your hands, receive the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. Come on, lift your hands all over the building. Let the Lord touch you all over this building. If you'll reach out, God's going to respond to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Some of you ministers, I want you to come and pray. Some of you ladies, amen, that believe in prayer, I want you to come. Hallelujah. Let's let the Lord move in this room right now. In the name of Jesus. If you have somebody near you, you know they need something from the Lord. Bring them on down to the altar. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.